Hi, I'm Mike Field. I'm Pat Whalen. Pat is a lifelong comic book geek. And Mike is a filmmaker and storyteller. So naturally, a bulk of our conversations surround the world of the Marvel movies. Some consider the MCU one of the greatest achievements in modern day filmmaking, and others just think they're comic book movies. Each episode, we'll tackle one film and discuss the differences between the comic book and what's on screen. We'll explore the growth of the Marvel Cinematic Universe from its inception to present day and beyond, and have a little fun along the way. You may not have asked for it. You certainly don't need it, but you'll be happy we're here. We think. This is yet another MCU podcast. Well, hello there. We are back to wrap up phase one. We are now talking about the Avengers. How are you doing, Pat? I'm good. We did it. We did it. We, we finished got, it. We got six episodes. We got through that terrible uh, three-person Captain America episode uh, with my podcast partner, Mike Butler. <laughs> but anyways, we are talking about the Avengers. We now everybody, All the movies that we have seen, all these five MCU movies are now, they're all together to fight one big evil. And that evil is Loki. Right. Well, yeah, I guess. Sort of. I kind mean, of. it's whatever. Who knows? The underboss of several <laughs> other big bosses, like in the video game world. So as we like to do, we talk about the movie. Then we talk about the difference between what's in the comics and mm-hmm. what's in the movie. I know you all know this, but I do like to repeat it. And then obviously this movie's place inside the entire universe that is known as the MCU. So real quickly, The Avengers came out on May 4th, 2012. Big time summer movie. It was a runtime of 143 minutes. Rated PG-13, had a production budget of $220 million. Opening weekend, Pat, what did it do? Do you know? Because I always come out with these. I want to know. It's a billion, wasn't it? Well, well, no, op- it did a billion total. It did 1.5 billion okay. total. It's opening week, it did 207 million. Domestic, 623. So to quote Turtle from Entourage, it beat Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> it beat the crap out of a lot of movies. Yeah. Absolutely. So clearly this was a huge, huge event. Directed by Joss Whedon, he also wrote it. He wrote it. I don't know if he wrote it with Zach Penn. I think Zach Penn wrote the story, and then Whedon kind of came in and I don't know, did his whatever he does, his Whedon stuff. We, yeah, right. Music by Alan Silvestri, which we talked about last uh, last episode with Captain America. Mm-hmm. Cinematography by Seamus McGarvey, uh, obviously produced by Kevin Feige. I don't know. He, he produces them all. I don't know why I keep bringing them up. Real quickly, let me just run. I know everybody knows who's in it, but let me just run through the cast, and then we'll get right into the movie. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. returns as Tony Stark slash Iron Man. Chris Evans as Steve Rogers. You may know him as Captain America. Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner and the Hulk. Now, this is Ruffalo's first mm-hmm. appearance in the MCU, and it's not our first character change or actor change. But it's one of the bigger ones. Oh, of course. Absolutely. Chris Hemsworth returns as Thor. Scarlett Johansson as Natasha Romanoff. And they don't refer to her as Black Widow in this, do they? I think you know it. I'm not sure. I couldn't do remember. I don't think they ever call her widow. No, I think they just kind of, she's there. Yeah. Yeah. Jeremy Renner as Clint Barton or Hawkeye. And they just call him the Hawk. Correct. Yeah. Tom Hiddleston as Loki. Cause Renner, not to go back, but, uh, cause Hawkeye or the Hawk as he's known is part badness. He obviously, he's, yeah, well, yeah he's and, taken over by Loki, who I just said, played by Tom Hiddleston, who, mm-hmm. as you said before, is the main bad guy. Clark Gregg returns as Phil Coulson. You learn his first name in this movie. This is, I guess, the first time I had to give him a name. To your point, yeah. from a couple episodes ago, our episodes sure. um, and movie episodes, I guess, that was the scene in which Tony doesn't like to be handed things. He so said it again. Yeah. He said it again. So yeah. we wanted to keep track of that oh, okay. from Iron Man 2. Yes. So when we get to know Phil's first name, 
we also are reminded that Tony doesn't like to be handed. Right. Those. I'm curious because we haven't. I've haven't seen Iron Man three since it came out in the theater. You've probably seen it more than I've May. seen it. Yeah. Right. But that's phase two. We're yeah, not talking we're, about we're, phase. We're two. still in phase one. We are talking about the end of phase. Even one. though phase two gets teased a lot <laughs> through dialogue in this movie. Let me guess who the cast. We'll get to. That. <laughs> Absolutely. So we also have uh, a new player on the on the board, Kobe Smolders as Maria Hill. Is that her real name? Is her real name Smolders? Well, it's not Robin Shabatsky. I, I know that. I've only seen. I did not finish that 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 show. How I Met Your Mother. Neither did I. I. <laughs> Samuel Jackson returns as Nick Fury. I don't know if you know he played Nick Fury. Everyone. Stellan Skarsgård as Selvig and Alexis Denzinoff as the other. Now I only put him in there because I like Buffy and he's he's uh, West oh, okay. Buffy. So, yeah. Oh, then that that makes sense because we in Buffy. Absolutely. There we go. And Got yeah, it. and yeah, I didn't even know he was in the movie at all. All right, so let's get into. I don't know where you want to start off. You want us to start off kind of like a quick. Oh, we do a quick review. You do, you do the best brief synopsis. No, we'll do the I brief synopsis because uh, I suck at them. I don't know if you've listened to Forgotten Cinema. I am mm-hmm. terrible. I'm just as terrible as Butler at them. <laughs> we we are horrific. You can't imagine how much is left on the cutting room floor when we're trying to do synopsis. But anyways, do a quick. So, I mean, it's real easy. But go ahead. So we'll do quick recap. Loki, as you mentioned, underboss. He survived his fall into the ether during Thor. They don't really explain that too much, but yeah, you know, okay. he just, he just shows up Yeah, and somebody tasks him with going to earth and getting something, which we learn is the Tesseract, the cosmic cube that we've seen in Captain America, the most recent movie. And so when he gets to earth, he goes and gets it. He starts taking over and causing havoc and trouble through his machinations. He takes Hawkeye, Clint Barton on his side and they're in the uh, the Avengers are formed. So Thor comes back from Asgard to capture his brother and he ends up teaming up with Captain America and Iron Man and eventually Black Widow, the Hulk and Hawkeye, who turns back to the good side. They fight an army in New York and everybody goes home happy. All right. So, yeah. So that's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. Good job. I mean, nice the Avengers are formed. Yeah. The, the team of six, the initiative comes together and the heroes save the day. Mm hmm. In the process, of destroying all of New York. <laughs> Seriously. When this movie first came out, I was working in New York at the time. I'm working in New York again, but I was taking, I was coming into Grand Central every day. And I just thought to myself, my commute just got ruined for months, for yeah. years in the way that, you know, if that was to actually yeah. happen. So there's they don't, no way. Yeah. There's probably like construction everywhere. Oh yeah. If it, and you're probably not even getting off at Grand Central anymore. No. You're probably getting off at some kind of temporary stop. Yeah. Well, you have to walk. You gotta, you're getting off at Harlem 125th. You're walking miles to get, not miles, but you're walking I hear you. You know, yeah. down to the end of the island to get to work. And I think one of my favorite, there was a great website at the time, Law and the Multiverse. I don't think it's active anymore, but it's two lawyers who essentially applied real life law to uh, comic books and superheroes. So what they did was they tried to calculate the damage and compare it to September 11th. Okay. It, it dwarfs it, you know, and it took 10 years essentially for the one world trade center building to be rebuilt and everything to be cleared out. And obviously we're still dealing with the the ramifications of it, but you know, in this, in this film, they destroy grand central, destroy tons and tons mm-hmm. of skyscrapers mm-hmm. and stuff that the city is broken in this. Yeah. Yeah. I don't exactly like, but it's, it's nobody cares. <laughs> of course not. I know that Whedon leaves after the second one, mm-hmm. Ultron. And I know we, I think it's pretty much known why he left it you know, interference from executives, that yeah. kind of thing, not letting him do what he needs to do. But he had an unenviable task in this movie of bringing together all different, all these IPs basically that, mm-hmm. that had their own universes and their own little movies, trying to bring them together and to make it be coherent, make it be interesting. 
the first thing that jumps out to me watching this movie is that they don't like each other, which mm-hmm. I like. And I, I'm going to reference Buffy, the vampire slayer that he that he did. And he did Angel as well. He's great with ensembles. Yes. And you don't want everybody when they're all get together and they're all like the, they feel the same. They like the same things. It's, it's not interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, you want them. Yeah, I get you. It stinks when they don't get along. But you want that because that drives conflict. Absolutely. Yeah. And that generates interest in the dialogue. And part of this movie is, you know, something we picked up on the other phase ones where it's more story and character oriented. Obviously, they have the big battle in New York. Sure. They have the fight on the helicarrier and then they have the small fight between uh, Iron Man, Thor and Captain America. That's it, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's essentially that your three set pieces and then the, there's a lot of time spent on the helicarrier where you're, you know, Tony and Bruce, it's Tony and Steve, it's Tony, Steve and Thor and, and, and Nick Fury trying to wrangle everybody together. So there's a lot of time spent on building those character pieces and, and getting to the heart of yeah. these characters, and but, these people. Yeah. I mean, and but the last set piece is it's got to be like a half hour of oh, action. Yeah. I mean, and, and there's a lot of stuff going on. And I would say that the significant moment. In the is obviously when they do the circle, yes, shot around them, but leading up to that as well, like mm-hmm. that whole maybe is it a, is it a two and a half minute segment where they're all fighting or and they go from what they go from Thor to the Hulk or however it goes, you yeah, know? and it's yeah. the it's a single take. It looks or it's it supposed, looks like to, a, yeah, it's supposed to look like a single take, right? Yeah. I think um, that that's nice. That's yeah. that's well done. That's and I I think one of the notes I had when I was watching that was like that's Whedon. Like I yeah. I can't see anybody else being able to do that. In a way, I always talk about organic s- storytelling, like what the image on screen, what you're seeing on screen is or is put together in an organic way where you can mm-hmm. believe it. It's not a setup like, oh, geez, the only reason that's happening is because so they can do this, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. I know that I get a rap for not liking the Marvel movies, but I will say that there's a, there's a lot of stuff in this movie that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. The one thing I want to bring up, I don't know if you have anything else you want to. No, go with, go with what you want to okay. say and then we'll get there. I, there's one thing that I kind of didn't like the second time around or however many times I've seen this. Third. Mm-hmm. This is actually, honestly, this is probably the second time I've watched it straight through. I have okay. seen it before. I just never really sat down and watched yeah. it. Colson's death. Sorry for spoiling it for everybody. Uh, I know <laughs> he did. Hashtag Colson lips. <laughs> I know he's some kind of nanobot robot. In, we'll, in we'll, get to, we'll get to that. A um, couple things. One, he's sitting there dying and, and the thought process that he's like, use my death to get them together is I don't buy at all. Mm-hmm. And then the fact that Fury plays the game of using the cards and putting his blood on them or putting blood on them or yeah. something and, and kind of trying to play the heroes. It's like, I don't think you needed both. They probably would have got there because he died. Mm-hmm. I don't think you need to kind of hit the you know point home with the cards. It felt very like you really can't trust Fury. Right. And I think that's maybe the, the point they were trying to make okay. with the scene. And, and, you know, even Marie Hill comes up to him and is like, you know, that's that's BS. He didn't have those on him. And he says, yeah, that's, you know, it's what I do. Basically, he's a spy. We see earlier in the movie that they've been using, doing the same thing Hydra had been doing, which they are Hydra. We get that. But yeah, they're making Tesseract empowered weapons. Or, but you but know, they had the Hydra like, label on them. Right. Did, well, what is that? Like, is that did they just confiscate them and they're going to use Maybe it? Is that what you're trying yeah. to say? I hope so. Because I, I was so. like, that's a pretty big reveal. Otherwise, nobody, nobody cared. Yeah. Um, but I did want to, you know, one of the questions I had for you. Because I, I do like this movie. I, I enjoy this movie. Order phase one for me. Which ones? What do you like? Oh, you, know, oh, you mean like... How, how do you like them? Oh, boy. You're putting me on the spot here, man. All right. You want um, me to do mine? 
No, no, no. Let me, let me, let me do mine. Let me do mine. Okay. So I would probably say I like Captain America the okay. best. And it probably has to do with the time frame, the the period, the time period, mm-hmm. excuse me. Um, the character. I mean, I, I like Chris Evans. I like Chris Evans. He's a good actor. Yeah. And then I would say the Avengers. I got to put Thor lower. Mm-hmm. I got to think I got to put Thor last. So Captain America, Avengers, Iron Man, Hulk, Iron Man 2, Thor. Was yeah, that all? My, yeah. Yeah, it's all of them. Uh, my my bottom is kind of the same. It's, you know, I would, I would end up going Iron Man 1, Avengers. Are you, Cap- s- you like Iron Man I like Iron Man 1, yeah. Uh, okay. I really enjoy Iron Man 1. Uh, and and I would you know Captain America and Avengers are kind of tied, um, but there's a lot of the good moments where they bring the the characters together in this one that I, I really enjoy. So in Iron Man, Avengers, Captain America, Thor, Hulk, and then Iron Man two. So we kind of have the we same kinda, bottom three. Yeah. I, the only reason I the only reason I put Hulk down low is while yes they say it's part of the Phase One, it doesn't ever really feel like it's part no. of anything, and maybe it's to its credit because it's a different movie and it looks different. I mean, we're kind of at the cusp of them starting to look all the same. Yes. Where it's basically filmmaking by committee, filmmaking mm-hmm. by executives. And it's like a, a, they have a palette on the board. Like, this is what you follow. This you know. is if, you know, you could basically put them in a marathon and in a row, you know, back to back from right. each other. And if somebody just comes in, doesn't catch which film they're watching, it all feels the same. Yeah. Part of the reason why I like the Avengers is I like Joss Whedon. Mm-hmm. I like, I'm a Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan. I even like Angel after this first season because it's the first season's not good. But they basically realized they needed the same kind of ensemble that they have in Buffy. I like the way Whedon, Whedon writes. I like mm-hmm. when he, the twists that he does, he, he throws stuff in there that you're just yeah. like, you don't expect. I think there's a lot of that in this. Again, I already talked about how they don't get along. I enjoy that. I don't want everybody to get along, that kind of thing. So, that's probably why I like Avengers a little bit more mm-hmm. than maybe you do in terms of the list that we just, yeah. we just kind of laid out for me. There's a gap between three, you know, the, my top three and my, bottom I would three. agree to that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I'd say Iron Man, Captain American Avengers are the ones that really set up what we have, you know, going for how we got here, what the, the potential is and, and where we see things going. One of the things that I enjoyed in the, I like the opening of the movie. I thought the opening was well done. Which piece when they're the in beginning. The, oh yeah. When the, they're in, leading up to the credits, leading up to the title. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. When they're in, when the Loki comes out, right? Well, when the whole thing explodes yeah. and they're, yeah, they're getting out. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed that. That's a nice opening. Um, it pulls you right in. It does. And then it pulls me right out when they start talking about the start clean initiative. I get it. It's yeah. a plot point. It's a plot device, but it's just like, ugh, enough, yeah. you know, oh, we're, we're going to be able to power everything. You're the best. <laughs> You're the best. We suck. <laughs> I'm sure your shareholders <laughs> loved when you said we're going to not sell weapons anymore and then immediately pivot to becoming a clean energy well, company. And it's he, like, how do you do that? But wouldn't you think that he would just go back to being a private company that he has enough I would money so. to yeah. get rid of? I would think so. Why would he have shareholders anymore? See you yeah. later. I'm just going to go to private. Like yeah. you think he would do that, right? And I have a question. Why don't we have helicarriers now? They seem possible. They seem like we can do that. Why, like with, in real or, life. with or without the invisibility option. Well, no, the invisibility <laughs> option. Listen, they do have that tech, yeah. I, but I get it. That's probably way too expensive. But can we at least get giant turbines and fly in the air? We can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so going on the Colson stuff again, yeah. I thought that they put the... I know that we talked about how he's supposed to be a huge Captain America fan. Mm-hmm. But you don't really, you don't really get that till this movie. You don't, you kind I mean, I know that. You, you get the nice little nugget in 
the beginnings of it in Iron Man 2, which we talked about when he has the shield. But, but see, he, now here's the thing. But I think Whedon is building off of that. And, and I think that that becomes more common. You know, they'll throw Easter eggs in in the earlier movies. And then the directors at the time, you know, Kevin Feige, whoever it is, will, will say, OK, we can expand on that now that we now that we have so much power, mm-hmm. essentially, you know, we could do no wrong. We can expand on that because, you know, it's there. Let's let's do something else with it. So it's like comics in, in how a lot of these are, are built and structured is that maybe a plot point used 20 years ago is now being picked up and run with as a full story. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, they are borrowing from that a lot, that that type of mentality. My point with the Coulson yeah. uh, was that the, the, the love affair that they set up with Cap, and maybe this is just the writer in me, kind of signifies that he's going to die. His conversations with Cap, his conversations with Thor, like they're giving a lot of lip service to Coulson yep. and they've never before. And you're almost like, it's coming. Yeah. Like, you knew it was coming. Yeah. And again, that just made well, me like I can, I've noticed that, that trope. That was one of my, I, I have a couple questions for you. Yeah, go ahead. Um, and that was one of them is, is the death still impactful? Because knowing that he comes back in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. No. Almost immediately. Yeah. And then just what we were talking about where they, they kind of, not fake, but steal some of that emotional weight by by forcing that on you with the conversations early on with tony and pepper talking with steve talking with thor you know is it does it does it still work i don't i don't think so the fact that he comes back is a big negative to Mm -hmm. his the impact of his death whether the conversations and all that stuff are fine that storytelling setting up that's fine that's part of the story the fact that he doesn't stay dead that he comes back kind of undermines what happens in the avengers and that's that's something that's not singular to this universe that is something that permeates all the storytelling throughout TVs and movies is mm-hmm. that the idea that nobody stays dead, this idea yeah. that everyone, Oh, they're come back. It's like people, if you give them a death, let them go create another character. I too often we, they bring back people because either fans miss them or, Oh, it would be so cool if it, enough's enough. Yeah. It's dead is I dead. Mean, this, it goes back to Sherlock Holmes. It goes back. And this, oh, yeah. this is going to be something we pick up. I think a lot. And that, that might be a big topic of our, comic to film story in winter soldier when we get to that point so um it is it's certainly a a piece of of comic book right nothing's that's not new i have noticed it a lot more than before Mm -hmm. this kind of idea that people keep coming back and i think it's just being used a lot more than it used to be i guess that's i mean you invest so much money into a single character sure People, people are invested in that person. But, but this is Coulson. I mean, yeah. this is just this is I, an ancillary supporting character just, who's replaced in this one by another ancillary supporting character, Maria Hill. Yeah, it's just so just. <laughs> I mean, she's not obviously the same type of person, a fanboy, but you can still give her but the she, same stuff you were going to give Coulson. That's what they do. Yeah, they make her Fury's right hand woman. And that's fine. Now. Yeah, introduce someone else as well. Yeah. I mean, then you did. You had Sitwell, but then he became bad. So right. you know, we, you can't really use him. So. Couple, we'll go a couple more things about the movie yeah. itself. The two lines that I like that I, well, obviously everyone loves the puny god line that he yeah. does when he kills that. That that's a good scene. That's funny. Yes, it's good job. Scene. Well done. It's everyone loves it. It's fine. Mm-hmm. I actually like the stuff when he's telling him to put on the suit. When he's telling him that he, Captain America wants to fight Iron Man, he's like, "Put on the suit, let's go." And he's yeah. like, "Put on the suit," and he keeps saying it. And then the whole they have the explosion. He's like, "Put on the suit." And like, you know, I, I actually <laughs> liked that. I, I thought that was really yeah. good. And I and again, I think that's. I'm going to attribute that to Whedon as well. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And what I wanted to ask you was, so Iron Man gets the Mark seven. Mm-hmm. Okay. He gets the, he jumps off the building and, and it's a new, the new yeah. Yeah. And we're back to the circle in the middle of the chest. We no longer have the triangle because he had the triangle in the yeah. beginning. 
What is that just something they just, just did? It's just it's design, design, probably. Uh, I Does know. Does that bug you? No, I, I think, you know, we'll see an Iron Man 3 in, in the next one where he just has a dozen, you know, plus suits that he just tinkers with. It. I don't know. It's them selling action figures. I get it. It's kind of what it is there. And, and that's not just, that's not exclusive to Avengers. That goes back to Batman, all the Batman movies, you know, except for Batman Begins through the the Dark Knight trilogy because they just didn't sell toys for that but like you know that that's just that's part of it I'm fine with it I don't I'm not bothered by it but I wanted to ask you this speaking of Iron Man who is the protagonist in this film uh ooh. so who's who's has the hero's journey yeah I think it's Captain America you do because okay. Captain America starts off where he doesn't have a place in this world mm-hmm. he it, as soon as he finds somebody to fight He's the leader. He's in, like you already see him being yeah. the leader, and even where like you have the ego of Tony Stark, where he's kind of butting heads at the end. He's just like, let us tell us, call it off, Captain. What yeah. should we do? And he tells him, I think it's Captain America. I was going to say Iron Man, and the reason that, so, I mean, and it could be both. I just you know watching it now, and you know when we watch it critically, it's yeah. different than we're sitting in the the theater because when I was in the theater, it was just, you're just like. Ah! Oh my God, this yeah. is awesome. I'm crying. Um, I got it, Pat. I get it. I wasn't, but go ahead. This is, this is fantastic. <laughs> Sitting in the theaters. Like this is, this is what Star Wars 77 was like. Um, oh, come, all right. come on now. Star Wars 70. Come on. Really? It's as big of a cultural thing. Hold on. Star Wars 77 started everything. Like Star, like nobody before Star Wars, the first okay, Star Wars came cl- out. It's close to it, but it's uh, as big of a cultural moment. It, no, it's a big, it's a big event. Okay. It's a giant event, but let's not go, let's right, not we'll, say we'll it's not like changed the so, face of modern day cinema. Anyway, back to protagonist. I think it's Iron Man. He gets called out in the beginning. You're selfish. You not want to make the sacrifice play. And he goes, uh, his journey sees him going up and dropping off the nuclear bomb into into space and, and presuming that he's going to die at that moment okay well how about this i i it could agree. be both i mean it, well i would say that iron man is the protagonist throughout the entire phases up until endgame when he dies because yes. that moment almost sets up that moment you know what i mean yeah. so i would say that maybe the whole phase all, mm-hmm. all three what, three phases yeah three phases all three phases is more of just the character the, the character arc of tony stark going up and then down yeah. and then finishing off up so I would say that, but in this movie total, I, I would still say Captain America. Okay. I mean, but yeah. to be fair, it's tough because we're going to get into that when we get into this this movie yeah. within the shape of the universe. But uh, they pretty much co-opt his third film for for the Avengers, right. the Civil War. It's, yeah. That's not a Captain America movie. That's that's no, that's, an that's an Avengers movie. movie. That's um, a, that's unfortunate. It is, and I guess you know since we're on that when you're writing an ensemble piece and you're looking at it, does everybody have to have an arc or is it okay if, if the two main guys do and some other players play some ancillary stuff? I think you have to give them an arc in terms of they might, it might not be big arcs. Mm -hmm. It might be a small arc. Like what would be Thor's arc in Avengers? Do you think he's just trying to get Loki? He's trying to get Loki. He, there's that brief, very, very brief moment where he has this crisis of worthiness Mm -hmm. again, but then that that's over with very quickly yeah so yeah i mean i I'd, I'd say he his storyline is he's getting his brother yeah and bringing him home what would be what would be banners arc controlling when this this ties back to incredible hulk but it would be controlling the monster because okay. we see him using it yeah. we see him losing it and fighting black widow which i thought was a really well done scene you have that terror terror which is you know yeah. which is great 
Um, but then at the end, he he controls it and he's able to to manage it. Right. And he, I also forgot that he has got that good line too that I forgot to bring up when he's he tells he finally reveals a secret. Yeah. Yeah. Which is good. Which is really it good. Was. Yeah. Well, one one last oh, question. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Does this work as a standalone film? Do you think it's hard to say because we just watched five movies before it? But does this work? Can this work as a standalone film? I don't think so. I think when you meet Captain America, mm-hmm. you really don't know anything. Right. So you, you just they you make only know vague what, references to the ice coming out of the ice. Right. And, and you, yeah, but, you only know. No, I think this movie, I think you can't view this movie as as on its own. I think it's a movie that is supposed to kind of be like you need to know at least yeah. the backstory. I think you need at least First Avenger, Captain America, First Avenger, Iron Man, Iron Man 2 and Thor. Yeah, you need you need you, you need, need them to, to kind of shade how they are. Yeah. And to be honest, the success of this film hits home the point to the people in charge that, well, we don't need it to be a standalone anymore. Right. We don't need to worry about that because they're, they're watching the other movies. They know about them. Their friends are telling them about mm-hmm. them. They come anyways. So what does it matter? Why yeah. should we bother? And I think that you, that's extends through uh, as you move forward and mm-hmm. you know, the 20 plus movies after. Yeah. Stark, we got him. Banner. Just like you said, and tell him to suit up. I'm bringing the party to you. I don't see how that's a party. Dr. Banner. Now might be a really good time for you to get angry. That's my secret, Captain. I'm always angry. All right, so I have some notes. I know okay. I sent them to you in terms of the differences and what happens in the comics. And I know this is tough because I don't know too, I obviously don't know too much about the comics in general. But I guess the first one I'm going to start off with is Whedon had said that the, he based this on the 1960s Avengers comics. Mm-hmm. So kind of break down, just break down what, because I would assume that they did the same thing in the comic world where they brought them all together for this, the Avengers comics, right? Yes. Okay. So yeah. go ahead and break that down yes. and maybe just talk a little bit about the sixties comic version. Yeah. So, um, some background just on the, the comic scene of the time, uh, AKA the sixties was, was kind of known as the silver age. Got a lot of great writers, artists bringing in science pieces, really sci-fi fantasy stuff over on the other side, uh, Marvel's distinguished competitors, AKA DC, uh, they had they had made the Justice League of America, so they had a team up book as well. Marvel publishers, you know, it's very much a kind of anything you can do, we can do better type of mentality. So everybody was stealing ideas back and forth. So they did the same thing with the Avengers. They took Avengers came out in sixty three or sixty four, and at the time, Iron Man, Hulk, Thor, Ant Man, the Wasp, those were the original five Avengers. Captain America joined a couple issues later, but. They had all had their their own books previously or, or had been featured in other books. So they decided they all come together and they, you know, join, you know, join as a group. The first issue is very much uh, Avengers. Number one is very similar to this one in that Loki is the villain. He actually mind controls slash mesmerizes Hulk into causing havoc. He ends up destroying a, a train, causing train accidents. 
and bridges. So in, in trying to stop him, Thor comes down to capture Loki. But at the same time, the other soon to be Avengers had, had heard the call for, for help. And so everybody shows up. So it's Ant-Man, Wasp, Iron Man, Thor, uh, and then they reign in the Hulk as well. And then the Hulk ends up joining, um, though he quits shortly afterwards and a couple issues later. So the the 60s was similar to what we see here. Everybody in, in similar to the Marvel mentality of you didn't just see them when they were saving the day. You saw them, you know, deal with per- personal stuff, saw them butt heads on, you know, politics and, and other social commentary. Whedon is a nerd. You know this. We yeah. know, you know we all know this in a good it's, way. In a good way, he wrote comics. Yep. He, he wrote a number of of runs on, on various issues, including the astonishing X Men. So he is going to dive back to the original well and pull together a lot of those same personalities and and traits that we saw in this in the Silver Age of of Avengers. Okay. Now, when you say Loki mind controls hulk did he do it the same way he does in this movie where he taps them with the, no. the chest okay so that's just something from the movie that's just something okay. from the movie because yeah, i never understood that in addition to watching the movie <laughs> i'll go watch like cinema sins or something on mm-hmm. on these and apparently it only works if you tap it directly in the center <laughs> of the chest because <laughs> it worked All for right. hawkeye but you try iron man who's got the arc reactor right there doesn't work okay apparently you can't tap him anywhere else like i don't know why loki <laughs> just did it he's like that that didn't work. Why not just try to tap him on the head, try to tap him on the arm, shoulder, whatever? Maybe Loki's just dumb. Yeah. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so, the because you basically blew through my other notes about yeah. the found, Captain America not being a founding member, no. the whole Ant-Man and Wasp stuff. So I'll I guess I'll go into my only other note for comics, and if you've got other stuff, yeah. please to let me know. But the Chitari are only appear. I have only appear in a story arc for the Ultimate. So. He still does take from the Ultimates. For he this? does still take okay. from the Ultimates. So he explain. takes from the Ultimates a lot. Yeah. So we talked about the Ultimates in a number of episodes on here. It was an alternate universe. It was a modernization of the Avengers of superheroes. There was Fantastic Four, X Men issue, Spider Man. It's written by Mark Miller. For those that don't know Mark Miller, in addition to writing a ton of work on Marvel, uh, including Civil War. He also wrote Kick-Ass, Hit-Girl, Wanted, um, which is much, 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 much different than the movie. So his his whole shtick is, in a lot of ways, demythologizing comic book characters. Mm-hmm. And and so that's what he does here. It's it's kind of Watchmen-esque for a post-9-11 world, which it's... I hate that term, yep. but it came out in like 2002 or three or something. So that's exactly what it is. S.H.I.E.L.D.'s a much bigger presence they're they're more operationally as a government military force uh in a lot of the issues cap is is straight up just wearing fatigues and a lot of the characters are, are kind of jerks too so <laughs> well, that's okay that's understandable yeah so in the ultimates comic book the kind the team included giant man aka ant-man it was hank pym wasp captain america iron man thor Black Widow and Hawkeye, similar to what we see in this film. Uh, Bruce Banner is in it, but in a lot of ways, he's he's a little bit more of a uh, an issue for them because is the the Hulk pops up a couple times mm-hmm. as as uncontrollable. Um, do, do they not to cut you off? Do they have that dynamic between Stark and Banner in the comics where they're just working together because they're both guys that are steeped in science? No, okay, no. In this one, Banner's played much more wimpy. He's you know I think somebody refers to him as a 98 pound nerd so he's he's not somebody you want to like when he transforms into the hulk 
it's usually because he's jealous of his girlfriend being out with somebody else. Okay. With the Ultimates, they introduce, um, they're essentially celebrities. They're a, a, the public face of S.H.I.E.L.D. Of this, Which they kind of do in these movies, right. yeah. But they're also hanging out with celebrities. So uh, Betty Ross is, is on a date with Freddie Prince Jr. Wait, hold on. Like, really Freddie Prince Jr.? Really Freddie Prince Jr. Like from, I, I know what you did last summer, Freddie Prince Jr.? Yeah, Summer Catch, Freddie Prince Jr., <laughs> they Star Wars, Rebels. So he's in the comic? Yeah. Do they have to ask his permission for that? Probably. Interesting. Okay. Um, Please go on. This is where Samuel Jackson, uh, the design for Nick Fury comes in. Oh, okay. Um, they, they sit in while well, the, the event, the Ultimates are all hanging out. And they chose Freddie Prince Jr.? Yeah, it's 2002. I don't know. All right, okay. Summer Catch and Jessica Biel were hot at the time. Summer Catch is not good. Summer Catch is great. <laughs> so anyway... Hulk, so it's Freddie Prince Jr. That you know they are sitting around. There's a there's a moment where they're sitting around together where it's it's announced that there's a three picture Captain America film deal with wow. Brad this is Pitt. like really meta. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you love or hate Mark Miller, and he does a lot of this kind of meta. This is what superheroes are like. This is what they would be like. Yeah. So when the Hulk transforms, he transforms because he's jealous. Okay. And that's he, there's never a moment. He spends most of the comics in the, the round containment unit that Thor and Loki get trapped in. Oh, in this so film. that's part of the cuts from that the is comic. from the comics. Okay. Yeah. So there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of moments where they either just extrapolate some set pieces or some pieces of dialogue. And, and that's where we get the Chitari. Get back to your original question <laughs> in the ultimates. They're an invading, invading force. They're, they're the scrolls. Uh, the scrolls are the shape changing characters that we meet later on in Captain Marvel. Right. And Mark Miller just didn't like the scroll name. There's there's back matter material where he's he's interviewed and it's like, well, why don't we use it? And there was there was some back and forth where somebody thought, you know, maybe we should do this better. He's just like, no, it was a stupid name. Mm-hmm. So we're using Chitari. They're a much more intelligent force. Uh, they had infiltrated Shield using their shape changing powers. Eventually, I believe they actually introduce more of these like outrider type uh, mind, you know, hive mind characters in the comics i don't know why they all of a sudden went to the trade federation school of uh-huh. controlling battle droid like high yeah. mind battle droids where you blow up the ship and, and everybody falls um <laughs> oh yeah that's right I, yeah that, uh, okay. so because it's easier to explain it's easier to explain and yeah. it's easier to get them off you know you just pick up the bodies and, that's and, the, the one thing i not to jump ips but the one thing i like about pacific rim is when they kill the monsters like there's people out there harvesting yes. the monsters. Yeah. I always, and I always think about that when everything dies and in, in this one, I'm thinking, are there people like, let's, let's take these uh, creatures and let's do something with them. There is a, there's a one shot, another one of those Marvel one shot short films where oh, I forget what the name of it is. Now we'll have to link to it, but it, uh, a couple finds the, the Chitari like, blaster gun. okay yeah and so they're they're carrying that around and, and shield has to has to track Get, them down okay. so yeah so there is a piece of of that you know and additionally in the comics there's a, a group called damage control mm-hmm. which i think they touched on in agents of shield a couple times but damage control essentially they come in and, and rebuild okay. following these these giant because you know every week in the comics there's you know manhattan gets destroyed LA gets a every week. week. <laughs> so this this group damage control comes in and, and helps re- repair and, and fix it and everything. And, and not to get too comic heavy, but I think it's revealed too at late, one point. Too late, that, yeah, it's too late. <laughs> it's, 
it's revealed that damage control is actually causing some of these these incidents. Okay. And then they're they're profiting off those off sons of bitches. Yeah. Speaking of underbosses. <laughs> so that's the Chitari, that's the ultimate. There's I mean, we, we talked about the origins of a lot of these characters, so there's not a lot of new things here the in movie. the movie. In yeah, the, yeah I, I, I thought that too. There's not a lot of stuff in terms of comics between what's happening here. Yeah, they've gone away with the exception of just getting some inspiration from the comics. They've yeah. actually created something of their of their own here. They're creating their own mythology, right? And it's you know it's it's really starting to take off, and, well, and you know we'll see them continue to pick pieces from the comics. But right, they're being a little bit more almost like a shopping cart method where it's like oh we're going to take the things that we like and put them in here. Sir, how does it work now? They've gone their separate ways. Some pretty extremely far. We get into a situation like this again, what happens then? They'll come back. You really sure about that? I am. Why? Because we'll need them to. All right, so let's. If you don't have any more comics, yeah, we should probably yeah, comics. we should probably just go right into the MCU stuff because yeah. there's just one thing I want to bring up. Okay. So when they ask him, when Cap finds the weapons, yes, and he up uh, he says, "Why do you have all these weapons?" And Fury's like, "Because of him." And he points to Thor because I didn't know we weren't alone until Thor came up, mm-hmm. which is BS because doesn't he know about Captain Marvel at this point? He does know about Captain Marvel, and there's in this they reference Project Pegasus. Yep. Which is the pl- major plot point of them adapting the Tesseract into weapons so, so in we're Captain just, Marvel. So we're just supposed to believe that Fury is a liar. That yes. Fury just is never ingen- is never is always disingenuous. Is never somebody who's gonna even though that these people are like the good guys. He's never going to be honest with them. He's a spy. It's what he is. I, I think I, he's more honest though than the the Council. It's tough because he's a good guy and I get it. He's a spy. But then you have Captain America Winter Soldier where he is screwed over Mm -hmm. and he's killed essentially. Well, he's not, but you know what I mean? And he, he needs captain to help him. And it's like, so now it's okay. Now you need the help of these people, even though you were just not going to reveal anything to him. It's a need to know, (laughs) need to know. (laughs) Well, I'm just, I guess, I guess my point is maybe we shouldn't be so positive towards our feelings for Nick Fury and throughout this whole 20 episode, 20 movie, excuse me, MCU, you know. In Homecoming, he uses an alien to disguise as himself to go employ a 17-year-old. Don't get me started on that nonsense. <laughs> that, we'll get to that. But. I'm using, I'm, I'm going more with the, he's in trying to employ a 17-year-old because he's the only one available. Mm-hmm. Seriously? He's 17. Yeah, I, I know. So, Bitch, yes. you in a space. That whole nonsense. That, that nonsense. Yeah, yeah exactly. Which, so, yes, I agree with you. He's a spy. If, even, like, you know, connecting it back to the comics a lot. Nick Fury can basically be summed up with just wheels within wheels. He's mm-hmm. always got operations moving, sharing the information he needs to share to get the other operations complete, but not revealing everything. So let me ask using people. Oh, yeah, no, I was just going to say using people and everything, but yeah, go ahead. So let me ask you this, because when you're watching this movie or any movie, you're supposed to have one character or several characters that you're supposed to relate to as you're the audience. Mm-hmm. Tell me who it is in this movie. Coulson. See, I would say it's, hill because she calls bs on him that's fair you know what i mean like and and she she basically and that's maybe that's the two pieces though you know colson is the fanboy he's the guy that's going to get his butt in the seats and you know what and you know what they do to fanboys (laughs) they kill them they kill them (laughs) um get his butt in the seats on opening night midnight get the poster get everything hill's going to be the one that's that's like us now and being like wait a minute hold up 
you know, what, what are we doing with this, with this world? <laughs> Speaking of that, they reference phase two an awful lot here. They do. And I mean, is that like a wink and a nod to what's coming? I think it's a movies? wink and a nod. I don't remember when they announced Iron Man 3. I don't remember. I'd have to look this up when they started to announce phase two. We know Iron Man 3 comes next. And then we essentially get sequels to Captain America and Thor. But I don't remember how they made that announcement. Like when they did phase three, Kevin Feige came out and did a whole PowerPoint presentation. That was the first the time timeline. they did that with the yeah. timeline. Right? So the I don't remember three. like exactly when they decided this is phase one, like when that terminology came about. But it had to be close to here. I think that was all just a wink and a nod to we're not going to talk about phase two yet. We got to still finish up phase one. They probably already knew they were going to do Iron Man three. Do yep. you think that? And I would assume they are. Agents of Shield was going to happen, right? Yes. Okay. So, do you think they planned on pulling Coulson onto Agents of Shield, even though they murder him? Well, it was it was Whedon and it was Whedon's wife and and his his brother or something that was doing Agents of Shield. So, yes, I think they knew what was going to happen. And so, tell me exactly what he is in Agents because I couldn't watch it. I couldn't, well, he, I couldn't watch that. Yeah, so uh, he dies. He dies in this movie. He doesn't actually die. Really? He comes back. And then eventually he's uh, spent time in the future. Now there's a Coulson clone who's what? an alien. At some point, he was a life model decoy, which is the, the what you're thinking of, the robot, which looks exactly like that person. And that's how Marvel gets away with a lot, like killing, I say in air quotes, a sure. lot of their their characters. They use these LMDs, the life model decoys. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was, it was tough to get into. Like, I wanted them to... I even said this and I'm still upset about it. I wanted them to actually kill off Coulson and bring in uh, Scott Bakula. Uh, you know, I'm a big quantum leap. Fan, I know you're a big so quantum I'm okay, I'm okay with that. Immediately after saying that, it's not written down anywhere, but you're all going to have to take my word for this. They cast him in NCIS Narlins. Oh, man. I remember. I He is in, um, not that we're going to, we're going to go on a Bakula tangent. I actually watched the Star Trek one that he was in because it was just, he was in it. That's the only reason I watched it was because he was in it because I like him. And he's actually in an It's Always Sunny episode where he plays. He's supposed to play Sam. Like he's like, oh, a right, yeah, yeah. yeah. What, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, but if they ever bring Quantum Leap back and he he better be in it. He better be in it. But regardless, that's my yeah. back of the hand. All right. You got to give credit to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. though. We get, no, it I, just, don't, I don't watch it. <laughs> it's, it made seven seasons. Seven seasons Jesus. of genre television. Like when this episode of this podcast comes out, they'll have just wrapped up their final season. What was the one with the big dog? Inhumans. Okay. Right. That didn't make a season. <laughs> <laughs> that was tough. I mean, Agents of Carter made two. Like, this is the one that they, uh, the Marvel Netflix ones made three max. But the Marvel Netflix ones were never really Kevin Feige's vision. He didn't want that, right? Right. There so, was, uh, there was Jeff Loeb, another, uh, they he, were all, he they headed Marvel television. Yeah. But even this, like, it, there's no real, with, with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it might be one of the, the longest lasting impacts of this film, but nobody cares about it. Like nobody within the MCU mm -hmm. proper. I'm there are hundreds and, and, and thousands of fans of it. I'm not taking that away from them, but it, in the MCU, nobody cares about it. I think only people care about the movies. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, you can't. You really need to look at them as two separate. They can exist in the same universe, but mm -hmm. they're really two separate entities. Yeah, it's cool to like watch a movie and like, oh, I saw him in an episode of Agent of Steel, or I saw that mm -hmm. or she did. The, okay, that's fine, but. You can't rely on people to pull that knowledge from the TV show to the movie. No. And I think it, the cast, though, was a little upset last year when Endgame came out, when you had that big, big scene at the end where all the heroes are right. coming out. And they weren't there. And they weren't there. And you have like the Doctor Strange order of you know monks and everything. They're coming out. You have all of every all the warriors from Wakanda are coming out. It's like you couldn't have just grabbed 
you one know, of them, one or two or three of them from. You had the kid from Iron Man three there, right? You had the kid from <laughs> Iron Man three, but you couldn't go grab the girl that plays Daisy uh, Quake in in Ages these of are, Shield. These are people I don't know, but okay. Yeah, she was the protagonist in the uh, first season where she was the, the viewer. She was character. the bad guy. She was the she was the girl Sky. I meant bad guy, but like just kind of like I guess. She was the, the viewer introduction character okay. to the world. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. Right. And but she yeah. ends up getting She was a powers. hacker, right? Or something? She was a hacker. Yeah. Right? She gets powers. She gets powers? She gets Pat, powers. come on. <laughs> this is, that's not selling it. <laughs> back to Coulson. Coulson dies in this movie. Yep. Comes but back to life. And he, comes, and he just, he's, he's a regular guy. He's the guy in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. He's not so, a, yeah. So tell me how they explain that. He's supposed to be the Coulson from the future. He's just there. They he's, say he didn't die. They say he went to Tahiti. He has memory issues. And they never explain it. I think they explain it. I can't remember. Then there's the life model decoy that's in there. And then he does fall and in love future with Coulson. They go to the future. I don't think there's future Coulson, but then there's alien Coulson. Who's a bad guy named Sarge. <sighs> All right. This is making my head hurt. <laughs> <laughs> the only other thing that I got is, is this is it. All the Avengers come together and then all the Avengers split up. They leave. Yeah. And then we don't see them Banner again. Banner and Stark go on some kind of honeymoon science retreat. Yep. Like wherever they're going. I love that Banner has one bag. What's in that bag? Your purple shorts. <laughs> they go off and. But I, this is the problem with, with yeah. these movies. Now that you introduce it, now that you brought them together. Now what? Where are they? Yeah. You know, when when a helicopter is dropping on Washington in Winter in, Soldier. Yeah. Where's Iron Man? Yep. When. London is blowing up in Thor the Dark World. Where's Iron Man and Captain America? When a terrorist cell is blowing up a Malibu penthouse, where is Captain America and S.H.I.E.L.D.? Right. This movie sets those questions up to the front. Yeah. Yeah. And you're you're not, but they have 1.5 billion reasons why they don't need to answer them. Right. Because people will still show up for these movies. And then now you have more people who are going to show up for... The, the rest of the yeah. now you're going to build for the next Avengers yeah. and build Which after that. And- we say this cynically, but I think is is the outset of this this episode cued you all in. We we really enjoyed this this movie. Yeah, it's a fun movie. It's a great movie. Whedon does it well in bringing together the ensemble. We may be critical, but it's still an endeavor to get done, and it, yeah. and they do it. And absolutely, even though <laughs> even though when you watch the behind the scenes footage and they're all standing on green blocks and green, I mean. That stinks a little, but hey, I get it. It's yeah. it's what it is. You it's can't modern. blow up New York. I mean, I guess we could just wrap it up because it's really, you're right. It's funny because this movie has everything together, mm-hmm. has, has everything brought together, but there's really not a lot to talk about because there's it's a straight, almost action film. There's nothing right. deep in this with the no. exception of their interactions in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no extraneous stuff. They're closing the loop on a lot of the story threads that mm-hmm. we had gotten in the in the previous movies. So it's not like, Oh, this is where this one's going to go. It doesn't feel like an end. Mm-hmm. It feels just like that a chapter has closed. And that's, that's what the intention is. Right. So our next, our next episode will return. We'll start the phase two, which is the all Disney phase, I guess. And where Paramount is no longer, we'll no longer have these back and forth debates about whether Paramount or Disney own them, own them and stuff like it's that. All Disney, full Disney, full Disney, full Marvel, full Kevin Feige, full manufacturing, a science lab. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be next time. That'll be phase two. Or I think it starts off with Iron Man 3, right? It does. Okay. Iron Man 3 will be next. So now I will bid you adieu and you will hear the canned recording of one of us talking about the next segment, which is our recommended reading by Mr. Pat Whalen. And Pat, uh, it was good talking to you. Thank you for not clearing up anything to do with Agent Coulson's death. Pat, take it away. Hashtag Coulson lives. (laughs) I said take it away.
As always, at the end of each episode, we like to send you home with some recommended reading that follows up on some of the characters and plots presented in this week's film. Our recommended reading section is sponsored by Infinite Heroes, comics, cards, and collectibles in Watertown, Connecticut. If you're in the Connecticut or New England area, it's a great location to pick up comics from Marvel, as well as DC, Image, and more. They also have a large collection of trading cards, toys, and collectibles. Owner Paul Santos has worked in comics for years, most recently as an editor of DC Comics. Ask him for a recommendation and tell him we sent you. Thanks for listening. And um, hopefully we got some good recommended reading for you this week. First, as we have done so often through phase one, we're just going to go back to the beginning. Pick up Marvel Masterworks Volume 1 by Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, and Don Heck. The volume collects issues 1 through 10 of the original Avengers run. See how the original team comes together to defeat Loki and his evil mind machinations, along with another number of other villains and see new faces, including Captain America, join the team. Next, we have Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes. It's an eight-issue miniseries by Joe Casey with art by Scott Collins. I love Joe Casey, uh, whether he's writing the Avengers or the indie cult classic Butcher Baker, The Righteous Maker. So there's a, a small plug-in for non-related Marvel recommended reading. Uh, he's also part of the creative group called Man of Action, which created Ben 10, Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes, the animated series, the Ultimate Spider-Man animated series, uh, and a few others. The Earth's Mightiest Heroes comic revisits the early years of the team with new untold stories and follows the personal and, and kind of political struggles of our heroes and in, in the world around them. And finally, no list of Avengers comics would be complete without Mark Miller and Brian Hitch's The Ultimates. Uh, we talked about this one a lot. The critically well-received but polarizing take provides the most modern update to our heroes. Uh, the Ultimates are the public face of S.H.I.E.L.D. meant to fight a war against the growing threats of mutants and aliens. Um, while not a direct influence of Marvel's The Avengers film, you will catch certain ideas and, and bits of dialogue that are, are expanded in the MCU. So thanks for listening. Enjoy the reading. And if we missed your favorite comic, let us know. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks.